So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I hit record. <laughs> All right, I hit record. What is today? Oh five. Nine, nine, May nine. Oh nine, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow's Damon's birthday. Oh, exciting! Gonna get ice pick something fun, fancy and fun. I don't think so. Oh wait, hold on. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Filtered <laughs> <laughs> microwaves, semicolon. <laughs> the title of whatever the podcast is about. Um. Um, well, when you're by the time you're listening to this, we will have thought of your mom's day, <clears throat> your mom's day. Um, yeah. yeah, or I, I often uh, call it mama, mama day. Um, mama day. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I, I, um, I had, I had two goes at having a mom, and they both were disasters. So I yeah. don't have much to say about this day. Um, Let's do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, what are we gonna? We got a topics. We got lots of topics. Um, we got topics. Got your topics. Get your topics here. We got hot topics. Yeah, no hot topic is a clothing store. We got. <laughs> let's do the let's do the random shit that's on Ned's brain slash Meg's brain. Um, All right. So I've been. Uh, I think we should call this one anxiety in a cup. I think that meets okay. well with it being a Mother's Day podcast. Yep. Um, I mean, it's not for Mother's Day. It just happens to be be recorded on Mother's Day. Um, yes. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Today is in at the time of recording. It is Mother's Day. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I've been anxiety in a cup is what I've often referred referred to coffee as and i've been going down this rabbit hole of coffee actually for a couple of years i've been like um tracking it kind of tracking it i've been i've been wanting to get an espresso machine for a long time um and the reason i'm starting with that part of the story is because that's what has led (laughs) to these other things where it all began yeah and so I've been thinking about getting an espresso. Are we talking machine. about like one of the like fifty thousand dollar copper ones? Well, that's what I want. Yeah. So not what for I, the coffee though. I just want to look at it. Yeah. So what I wanted, I had what had happened is many. What had happened was, um, <laughs> so many years ago, I, um, oh. I was not a coffee person. I didn't. I tried to have a coffee habit and just never really got there. And then. Um, my partner at the time, she was like, <clears throat> she was pretty into coffee, and she's like, "Let me, let me get, come have a coffee with me." And so I like came, <laughs> like we went to a coffee shop, and she got me an espresso, um, and it was really good. And then after drinking that, I was like, "Oh man, this is really amazing!" I didn't realize like it could taste this good. So then I've been kind of. Idly sort of like whenever we're near like a good coffee shop or like a boutique coffee shop, I'm always like, oh, you know, I want to try. I want to see if they make an espresso. And the one that we went uh-huh. to, um, I've been there. It's here in town in San Diego. Um, and they have consistently been 
both the best espressos I've ever had and also the worst. Oh, at Madeline? Yeah, at Cafe Madeline. So, um, which is which is better than anywhere else I've found. You know, like yes, at least at least they've been able to hit the high water mark. Um, <clears throat> you know, Starbucks is one of those places where it's kind of I think of it as like a Denny's or something. When you're mm-hmm. when you're on a road trip, you're like, well, you know what you're gonna get. It's pretty <laughs> consistent, which is yes. nice. You know, it's like yes. I know it's not gonna that's be the, the sticking, worst. That's the selling point. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's not like they're you know serving like good espresso or anything like that. Um, anyway, uh, so. Yeah, so like I'd been kind of in you know in the last couple of years I'd been kind of thinking like oh I'd like to get an espresso machine and of course that involves like doing some research to get because you can't just go buy a Mister Coffee thirty dollar espresso machine it doesn't right. actually make espresso it it's it's like a pretend like it can't get the pressure up it can't do all the things yep. that um <clears throat> it's a limped dick uh, espresso machine apparently <laughs> um, I mean many of them are like it's you can't really make espresso like good espresso with a with any of those like sort of shelf bought machines that come in under like a hundred bucks or like around a hundred dollars. Right. Yeah, because they can't they can't build up the actual steam pressure necessary to process the coffee in the way that Right. Like either they're too hot or they're not the right temperature or the pressure's not right. Like they you can't just Yeah, like you can't just, you know, shove some water through a puck of um pressed coffee grounds and call it espresso. So, um, well, you can because lots of people do, but, um, if you've ever had a really good shot of espresso, you'll know that that's not the, not the case. Um, anyway, Mm -hmm. so, uh, and, and a little bit, I am by no means a coffee expert. I'm just kind of talking about my own journey, like down the like rabbit hole, um, and so if you are listening to this, <laughs> by all means, please, we'd love now, to wait. hear from you. Oh, is wait. the rabbit the coffee or is the rabbit hole the coffee? Because if we're going down a rabbit hole, which one is – is it a coffee hole or is it a coffee rabbit? Well, let's step back from that a little bit and first discuss the level of anxiety that's involved in going in this direction in the first place. <laughs> we're first okay. At first and foremost, we're talking about a drug, a legalized or a legal – I mean, I don't know if coffee was ever illegal. Anyway, we're talking about a, a legal drug, a legal stimulant that is um, – that is capable of causing the levels of paranoia and um, and anxiety of which I don't know any other substance that's not like a Schedule One narcotic, like you know, just like oh yeah, like the stuff they're like, just say no, yes, <laughs> right, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, I don't know which is the hat. Like, there's probably a hat involved that a rabbit came out of at some point. Um, mm. I let's let's see as the story moves on. Let's see if there's something that emerges to the top about answering that question. Whether is or not. this a secret story where in actuality coffee is the, all of the characters and the set and the whole thing <laughs> yes. is just coffee. Everything is just coffee all the way down. Right, it's just coffee. You're not, you're not <laughs> fooling me. It's coffee all the way down. Right. <laughs> okay, please carry on. Uh, you were at legal drug. <laughs> Meg, Meg, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. See, a metaphor. the coffee grounds and the machine <laughs> symbolically represent the rabbit and the hole. And uh-huh. anyway, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. yeah. So legal drug. Anyway, uh, yeah. 
caffeine is um, <clears throat> caffeine from coffee. Well, caffeine is caffeine. I think that there are other possibly other compounds in coffee because sometimes I have coffees. Um, there's one coffee shop near me. If I have a coffee from them, doesn't matter if I have decaf or I have like a really like small amount. It is like intensely anxiety inducing. I would mm-hmm. like I have a cup from there and I'm just like, holy shit. I'm having a heart attack. I'm, you know, I've got flop sweat immediately yep. just thinking about it right now. Yep. Yes. Um, which is a bummer because I really like that coffee shop. Um, which one is it? It's the Lestats coffee shop. So there's yes. a there's a coffee shop in San Diego called Lestats, and there's two of them that I'm aware of. <clears throat> and up until the pandemic, they had been open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for oh. like 10 years or longer, I think. And the pandemic yeah. came. And it was like, that was when I was like, holy shit, like this, like, I mean, obviously they closed their doors. Obviously they did. They're not, you know, animals, right? But it it was like. <laughs> Were you born a bard? Well, I mean, it was just like they had to close because it was like, you can't come in and they were never set up to do um like to serve coffee, like in a drive-thru or anything like that. They're just like that classic student coffee shop with lots yeah. of couches and chairs and you can go there and and terrible art on yeah, the wall for sale then, by there's like a cloud of chain smokers yes the, like several <laughs> yeah, feet from door. the entrance of the door <laughs> yes exactly. and like you can't you can't that you're like well i wanted coffee but now all i can smell is cigarettes exactly yeah yep. yeah um anyway <laughs> we've taken uh quite a few walks up there from my house to uh have, yes, have breakfast smoothies yeah and uh, and get our anxiety on. They have great smoothies. They do have great smoothie, smooth, smoothies. Smoothies. Um, anyway, so anxiety-inducing drug. Uh, I'll try to get to the point at least with the espresso machine, or like bring you up to now. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm like trying to get this, or I you know I've been kind of chasing this idly, chasing this like good espresso. And at some point, I was like, well, if I'm going to make it at home, I you know what what would that take? Maybe I can just reproduce it myself. Yep. And that's when I discovered um, even just a little bit of research reveals like the level of um, or the sort of cost involved. So the cost yeah. involved, like typically you're talking about probably to get a capable a capable espresso machine, one that is capable of pulling a good shot. Um, it doesn't mean that it will do it every time. It just means that it it's capable of doing that. Uh, I think we're talking about... Um, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of like easily like six hundred to like twelve hundred dollars is going to get you somewhere in there, right? So now I'm like, well, this is a fucking investment. Like this isn't just, you know, <laughs> um. So which of course then it means like if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I want to do a lot of research, and that started me down the down the rabbit hole or out of the out of the magic out of the top hat. Um, <laughs> Looking at, yes. uh, you know, watching YouTube videos and reading about it and like trying to kind of come up with the machine or c- try to pick a a model. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this involved things at one point I was like very seriously considering building my own with like the, you can <laughs> yeah. buy. Yeah, like you can buy some of the parts, um, you know, like wow. you can, so like there's a thing called the group head, which is where the. Um, it's kind of you know consists of the filter basket and the or it's the part that the filter basket like hooks into um, the little handle with the hole in it you know that yeah. that part. Um, there's 
like so you can usually like, you-, you can buy one of those you you basically um you buy parts and you do things like um you know weld weld pipes together or you sweat pipes together with solder or you like there's different things and you like the boiler is a whole thing where you have like a so like an electric kettle if you're not familiar with an electric kettle it has a heating element in the bottom of it and you plug it into the wall and you yeah, push a button. I love mine yeah I love mine too um it has a little thermocouple in there that once it gets hot enough it it shuts auto shuts itself off right um, so that's that is one of the components I mean not you don't just go buy a thermocouple but you can buy heating elements and you can buy um pid controllers which are um if you're not familiar with a pid controller it is i am not i am not so a pid controller a pid stands for proportional integral derivative controller which means what that means is um usually it means like a three-term controller which means that it it has um it has kind of three it has three functions in a math sort of way, um, mm-hmm. like where a function means like a line or a you know some plot of points over over in an x y sort of coordinate system. Where and so in this case, like it's over time, right? So we're talking about a function over time where you have yeah. some input and then there's a um, a function that derives like what the input translates to the ultimate output for that. Um, but essentially what a PID controller, a PID controller is something you might use to control your thermostat where once you set it to say 80 degrees in your house, it will attempt to turn on the heater when it's time to raise the heat to meet that temperature and turn on the AC when it's time to bring the heat down to that temperature. And Mm -hmm. so a really good PID controller has very little swing in temperature where a really bad one has like this kind of oscillating um situation so you Hmm. use a pid controller in lots of things but in this case you would use it to regulate the temperature of the water Um, okay and in an espresso machine uh excuse me um you uh need to or one or and basically an espresso machine requires um good regulation of temperature because you don't um you don't pull a shot at 100 degrees celsius um, when I'm talking about temperatures in water, I always like to use Celsius or use, yeah, um, use centigrade yeah. because it's a really easy metric. Zero is freezing. 100 is boiling. Yes. That's much I, easier. I never fucking remember. I mean, I wish we did that for all temperatures, but, um, I'm so used to Fahrenheit. 212. For, right. 212. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, uh, um, okay so anyway building it but one of the things was building an espresso machine yeah which involved hold on Mm. which involved having do you have a fan blowing right on your face like i usually do (laughs) (laughs) like dumb dumb anyway i had uh an espresso machine requires um this like really controlled temperature and pressure of the water being forced through this pressed sort of cake of coffee grounds right and so in order to achieve that you need to heat the water to 90 degrees and then you Mm -hmm. need another way to pressurize that water to push it through and so old style espresso machines were actually often lever machines which means that you actually generate the force by pulling a lever down 
and that mechanical force pushes on a piston, which then forces the water through the puck. Interesting. I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. And so when I was thinking about build or when I was looking into what it would take to build an espresso machine, that is the kind that is pretty simple overall to create because you mm. you know there's it's it's some basic it's some basic plumbing um a little bit of te- water temperature regulation and then and then you know yeah. mechanically connecting all of it together so it's not it's not intellectually complicated but it is like it does require a certain level of tools and and when i looked into it the more i looked into it i was like well a lot of time to save a little bit of money although potentially you would have the machine that you wanted but being somebody who's actually I worked in a coffee shop when I was younger, so I, I know what it is oh, to pull a shot. But even then even then we didn't get the training that um was required in order to pull good shots. So I was no wonder I didn't enjoy the coffee. I was like, whatever, the shit that spits out of this machine is just as dumb as the rest of it. Um because you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I mean, also we worked in a coffee shop where um and this was in the 90s and so this was a period of time when flavored coffees were very popular oh god and so we had bags of coffee like giant bags of coffee um Uh. and they not giant i should say like now we have those little packs that are more common but back then i feel like they were like five pound bags was the smallest you could buy or something and they all had these flavor oils in them like you could get cherry flavored and hazelnut was the most popular probably because it was the one that didn't go rancid like almost immediately or something but in this coffee shop slash bookstore uh upstart crow down in san diego was um down on the seaport or seafront what's that uh seaport village anyway um (laughs) i they are very different now obviously like they you know, I'm not it, it was just at the time that was the thing. Like everybody yeah. was selling this coffee. So when you'd go in there, you would just smell this like overwhelming mix of all these like scented flavor oils. Like imagine going into um what's the new it scented like oil? Smells like a fucking candle store. Yeah. Like or um essential oil. No, what's the aromatherapy? Like imagine like yeah. someone's lost their mind with aromatherapy. Like that's what it's lost their mind. Um which oftentimes <laughs> That is the case. Um, (laughs) But it's just this like mix of like sweet and like and but also just like a lot of rancid oils that people people think that oils don't go rancid, but they often do. And they, you know, they polymerize and cause all kinds of weird. Anyway. Yes. So we didn't receive like like the training we received on the machine was like you put some coffee in here, (laughs) you smash it down with the puck. Like, I don't even think I'm I think. Well, I haven't even gotten to the grind of a coffee yet, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm, okay. I, you know, I'm looking I'm more with into you for this ride. Okay, all right. So I, I make the, I'm, I'm now at this point in my life, not right now, but a few years ago, I was like mm-hmm. really looking into making one and thinking about it and doing some research and watching a lot of videos and trying to understand. And ultimately, I came to the conclusion that I'm like, well, I've never actually pulled a good shot for myself on any machine that I've had access to. So uh-huh. the idea that I would know what I was looking for in a custom espresso machine seems like just seems unlikely. Laughable. Yeah. No. Like it, what it is, is like I what I think I'm looking for is just a collection. Like I've looked at and collected a bunch of variables that people have talked about in their own life mm-hmm. or their own adventures in trying to pull espresso. And so I've just kind of formulated what would be the perfect machine 
per all of that sort of distilled list. But right. I don't know if that's actually true. And so I just I just kind of was like, okay, let me just set that whole thing aside. You know, maybe someday, but not today. And so, um, so that's how <laughs> that's I kind pretty, of came this back. This is great critical thinking. I just want to say, thank you, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, um, it's always like when you've when you've really engaged in a like an excessive amount of above thinking, it's always yes. a little bit. I'm always a little wistful as I come off of that mountain and like come somewhere <sighs> down somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that mountain of above thinking was set aside for the time being, and uh, I. Um, I kind of like came to my senses and was like, okay, well, there are some, um, so these, these lever machines or these like manual espresso machines, right. um, are they, the, there's goods and bads. Like the good thing is you have a lot of control over all the variables. You can like really control the pressure. Um, okay. you can control the temperature typically, um, depending on which one you get, but, um, but they're also pretty simple. So you could also get one and do some basic modifications to give you a little more, um, room to control these variables to kind of achieve this this mythical shot that I'm trying to experience again. So right, you're like chasing this high. Yeah, I'm chasing this high, um, which is hilarious because it's like I'm chasing the thing where it's like the flavor is good and the follow up is anxiety. You know, like, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, that's a brilliant observation. Yeah, and so I'm. Um, I, I now I'm kind of looking at these espresso machines and there's um there's a couple of ones that have been around since the 60s. I think there's like a um Olympia makes a brand or makes a particular like a a single serve um and then there's also uh I think Olympia is the one that's stuck in my mind, but um <clears throat> there's also I don't know. We'll come back to it. It doesn't really matter. Um, it, that's Olympia, not what this is about. But um, Olympia. Olympia, I think. Um, okay. So, but you want, so lever machines? Yeah. Oh, uh, a La Pavoni. La Pavoni PC16 or like an EPC8. Those are, these are two very similar models. It's essentially like, it's, you've, you've possibly seen these. It has a big, um, levered handle that sticks straight out at you and it's usually like silver or brass and it's got a a tank a, a boiler tank at the back and then just a little group head that sticks off that the levers on top of and so you kind of you just you pull the lever up and it lets the hot water kind of pre-infuse into the little chamber where the piston is to drive the water plus also then it wets the it wets the puck of coffee and then you just mm-hmm. pull the lever down and and the harder you pull the more force you generate onto the um onto the thing so yeah a la pavoni europa cola i think is the typical um and then there's another olympia one but uh by the way i mean both of these machines that i'm thinking of are um you know brand new very expensive and their used value doesn't go down a lot so you can kind of get them on ebay but they're um just as expensive. Just as expensive. I mean, you're talking about, I think, eight or nine hundred dollars or something for the very, very base machine. Um, but like, aren't those giant ones that they use in coffee houses like tens of thousands? Of yes, dollars? yes. So the ones you see in coffee houses are just totally different. I mean, they're not different. Um, the principle's the same, but they have massive um, boilers to have a lot of water <laughs> in reserve. <clears throat> Usually you hook them up to water 
like up to a, a water line. So you're sure. never, you don't have to like refill them. Um, you know, they're designed and they're also designed to churn out um, like coffee all day long. Whereas these hand ones, the problem is they overheat, like the group head overheats. And now as you pass 90 degree water through it, it gets too hot. Um, What's a group head? So the group head is the uh, let me let me get these terms right because I don't want to. What is a group head? So, um, all right. So let's see. The group head is the is the part that the water passes through into the. So okay, let's start from the porta filter. The porta filter is the part that when you go to um, a cafe and someone's making an espresso, if you're not familiar with any of this stuff, I can imagine yeah. I can imagine some of our friends who um, are into coffee right now, like uh, um, some of our, you know, I, who just had a mm-hmm. baby, well, have a baby. Um, I can imagine I can imagine them like rolling their eyes right now because they were like churning out espresso <laughs> the last time I was hanging out with them. Yeah. Um, anyway. Porta filter is <laughs> a porta filter is a um, it's the part of the it's the part of the machine that the coffee goes into. If you've ever seen somebody make espresso, it's the part that has the handle that they they sort of twist. They like put the basket in and then twist it to lock it. Yep. Um, and it usually it often has a little spout underneath, like a two way spout, so that the coffee kind of drips over and goes in two directions. Like you could fill two cups at once. Yeah. Um, not always, but sometimes. Um, and so it has it has the sort of basket filter in there. And the filter inside of there is this like um, it's this little it's this little like round. Um, I'm trying to think like what size it is. Like it's about is like imagine a silver dollar mm-hmm. or a um, like a casino chip. It's it's typically a little bigger than that, but the size of it can vary from machine to machine. There's a standard 58 millimeter size that I think is very common, um, okay. and then it's about half an inch deep, maybe a little more than that, like three eighths of an inch or three eighths, uh, sorry, uh, three quarters of an inch deep. Um, but it's a, it's a really finely meshed bottom, like it has really tiny little pinholes in the bottom, and so that's where the coffee gets packed into, <clears throat> and so that's the porta filter, and the porta filter clip. Uh, basically locks into the group head and the group head is the part of the machine that the water is going to throw flow through into that basket yeah and so the the group head is oftentimes um it oftentimes has like it it has like a water diffuser so when the water comes spraying in it doesn't just um, destroy the puck like you're trying to make this flat cake of evenly distributed fine coffee grounds and so when you have water coming in from the top if it's really highly pressurized coming in mm-hmm. um, like if it's moving quickly it's gonna it's gonna disturb that puck and move like it's gonna cut holes in it basically like you you know yeah. if you're using garden hose and dirt that's yeah. essentially the same thing you don't want to do that so usually a good machine in the group head has like a really nice, usually they call it like a shower head. Um, and the idea is it really gently trickles the water in. And so that's kind of part of the pre-infusion phase is that you you let in the water really gently until the whole chamber of coffee is filled with water. And now and when you, you let go, the whole thing pressurizes because water doesn't compress very well. So it's not it's not going to be disturbed. And mm-hmm. so once once the whole thing is filled up, now you can apply a lot of pressure to push the water through the 
Um, so that's the group head. Those are the main things. Gotcha. Um, there's, I'm just looking to see. I mean, the rest of it is it's just fascinating. I didn't know all of these things about. Yeah. I didn't know any of these things about any of this. Yeah. So the portafilter, <laughs> the portafilter usually has the portafilter basket, which is the thing I was talking about that is basically, you can imagine like a stainless steel cup that's about half an inch high or half an inch deep. And the very mm-hmm. flat bottom of it is just perforated with tiny little pinholes. Right. Um, yes. I've seen this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I forget where I was going with this. So we were talking about. You were going to build one of your own. Oh, yeah. So and I put that aside. And now I was looking at um, these hand lever machines, these manual machines as a possible route to go. Um, right. And and at this point, um, I was so I want to make it clear at this point, I was aware that the coffee grind was important. Every time you watch okay. people talk about espresso and, and machines, like having a good coffee grind is very important. And so what that means is like you need to be able to adjust the size of your grounds very precisely because every machine and every kind of coffee or every particular um, brand or style or source of coffee, like depending on the roast, depending on where it was grown, depending on the batch of it, can I mean, I don't know. I've never experienced this, but what I'm un- what I've given to understand is that um, the all of those things can affect the um, the flavor and the experience of how the shot pulls and whether it's a successful shot, sure. and also how it needs to be ground in order to achieve that. And so, part of these there's all these variables now, and one of the variables is how like your grind size and. That so that's a whole fucking rabbit hole that I didn't at the time I was like it's fine like I'll just need to like I always just kind of thought I'm gonna have to buy like a burr grinder like so most people are probably familiar with if you have a coffee grinder like those little spice grinders the blade grinders like you just yes. put them in a cup I love them they're great um, they Not have good enough they have um, this insane the amount of mythology that goes around like misunderstanding and just like blatant disregard for science that goes around um, (laughs) coffee is hilarious and also part of the fun, right? Because I'm like, Oh man, like this is a really interesting thing to dive into because you can filter out, um, you know, you have to actively use your brain and be like, okay, this guy's saying this thing. I need to back that up and go make sure before I commit this as like part of my model of the universe, or at least in this sense, my model of the coffee universe, before I commit that to my model of the coffee universe, I need to make sure I'm validating these claims, right? Right. And um, I remember, I, it doesn't seem to go around that anymore, but I think for a little while, um, which is actually heartening because I think the coffee community in general is more science-focused or rational-focused than it is um, conspiracy theory. But <clears throat> anyway, for a long time, there was this myth that the blade grinders actually were too violent for the coffee beans and they would actually impart like too much heat or something. And like, oh. which is hilarious. If you just even think about that for a moment and you can think about the full process of what happens to coffee, um, it starts, you know, it's grown usually in tropical band on the planet. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And, and so then you get these beans and you get, and then you take the beans and you um, you roast them. And when you roast them, they are subjected to temperatures that are much higher than, say, boiling water, which is another thing people kind of 
you know, talk about burning things by exposing them to burning to hot water. It needs to be can't be 100 degrees. You're definitely not burning them. Yeah. Um, there's other things that come from hotter water or too hot water. But um, also a blade grinder is not able to like over it's you're not retoasting your beans in a blade grinder. Right. It's that's just not happening. Um, that is not happening. And and that's well known now, I hope. Um, anyway, but it's kind of it's that kind of thing. But the the real issue with the blade grinder is it's very difficult to control the um, the grind size. Like basically mm-hmm. you just have yep. it's just a it's just like a um, insane batting cage where a batter is just swinging a bat wildly bashing beans and having them explode. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so. uh so it's it's harder to get a really even grind size, which is important, especially for espresso. And you also can't really grind fine enough in a blade grinder to get espresso. Um, there was a coffee house we used to go to called the Fine Grind. Nice, nice. So, Crazy. so at this point in my life, I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. gonna. I've kind of settled on either a La Pavoni or this Olympia. These like sort of single serve home use espresso machines i'm like okay i think this is gonna work so i'm kind of budgeting i've got this new job i was like kind of working towards it and now i've kind of turned and looked at the grind stuff um because in the meantime i'm like well i use a french press i really like a french press um Mm -hmm. and i have a blade grinder and so in the meantime i was like well what can i do with what i have to maybe experience some of the other things about coffee that i had now learned about down on this fucking rabbit hole journey right because i'm chasing the espresso shot and so mostly at the beginning i was like i don't fucking care for drip coffee pour over bullshit whatever don't care not doesn't interest me um but i was like but i do have these other pieces of equipment and occasionally when people come over i will serve coffee with them and so what can i do to get the most out of that you're being a bricoleur you're like someone who makes things from things around them yes yeah and so um I at this point I had there's a, a YouTuber um, I don't know that he's specifically known for YouTube but there's a gentleman named um, uh, James Hoffman who uh, does a lot of YouTube videos he's English I think he lives in London it doesn't really matter but um, mm-hmm. he does a lot of YouTube videos around coffee and I think at one point he won some like national or international um, espresso competition and then he kind of used that to kind of launch his sort of YouTube. I don't know if he used that to launch his YouTube coffee career. I feel like his YouTube coffee videos really stand on their own because he, he, I really like the way he approaches the things he talks about because he really tries to bring a level of scientific um, curiosity to it and a little bit of science, scientific rigor. And the nice thing about that too is so he does these like, he'll do tastings and experiments. And the really great thing I like about it is the way that he speaks in scientific terms. He doesn't yeah. say absolutes. He's not like, well, I drank this one cup of coffee and therefore absolutely all coffee tastes this way. Like he doesn't make these like insane statements where it's like, well, I did. Um, he's not claiming that his sort of three, his sample size of three is somehow scientific rigor. Right. Right. He's just saying, hey, for the purposes of this video, look, I'm doing this. You could, too, check it out and see what you think. Like he's Mm -hmm. trying to engage people in being more critical about the thinking around coffee and the way that people are like consuming um, it. Yeah, because it is a very ritualistic drug. Um, Yes. It causes I think I don't know if we talked about that. There's a good section in the uh, programming your wetware or reprogramming your wetware. 
yeah. um, about coffee. And it talks about using coffee for um, getting in grooves and the way that coffee, um, or at least at the time of the writing, is understood to be um, the way that it like reinforces certain kinds of um, mindset. And so hmm, a lot of people. tool. Yeah. And what, yeah, as a tool, exactly. And a lot of people will probably tell you, especially if they're habitual coffee drinkers, they probably have a favorite cup to have their coffee in. Um, they probably have okay. a particular way they like to make it. And a lot of times this has really nothing to do with uh, well, what it has to do with is that the caffeine reinforces that so that you're like if you were a habitual coffee drinker, like every morning you got up and you made drip coffee or percolated coffee and you served it in your like orange mug for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Any other coffee you have, you might enjoy, but that coffee is going to taste the best to you where I might come along and be like, this is gross. Like you haven't you haven't done any of the things. Your grind size sucks balls and blah, blah, blah or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yes, um, the, yes, whatever the like nuances are. Of yeah. The, of how you're doing it wrong. Um, yep. you know, according to the, uh, the all great, uh, coffee gods or whatever the, uh -huh. the Lords, the Lords of coffee. Um, <laughs> so whatever your obnoxious ex, ex boyfriend with <laughs> extraordinarily particular tastes about veganism and also fucking yes. coffee yes. says. <laughs> Your overbearing ex. Yeah. The last person who beat you over the head with their coffee preferences was. Uh-huh. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, so anyway, so <laughs> I I found um, this guy, James Hoffman, and he has some good videos. And one of the videos he has is about how to use a blade grinder to get a good grind or to oh. get the best grind out of it than you can. Do you have to shake it while you grind it? Yep. And it's, it's actually, it's a really delightful video, and I would encourage people to... Um, uh, Google or search on YouTube for James Hoffman and have a look. I don't remember the exact H -O -F -F -M -A -N? title. Yep. Mm -hmm. James Hoffman yeah, coffee, and, coffee shaker. Yeah. Well, if you go, if you Google or you go into YouTube, you should be able to pretty quickly, like if you just do James Hoffman and blade grinder, um, he'll, you should be able to find the video, but the video is cool. great because he, he kind of sets it up in, um, in th he, I think he says there's basically three steps to a good, yeah, three steps. He's like, there's three steps. And he, at the very beginning, he qualifies them by saying, like, some of these steps are worth it. Mm -hmm. Some of these steps you are possibly worth it, but you might not want to get caught doing them by other family members. Ah. Um, and, and so the three steps. So the first step is that you, um, you pulse grind. So you you grind for a second and then you shake the grinder and then you grind again and you shake the grinder. You don't really need to shake it while you're grinding because I think that um, depending on your grinder, it spins so fast that the shaking while it's grinding isn't as effective. Um, but essentially, it's sort of like a pulse shake, pulse shake, pulse shake. And then you kind of till you get down to a grind um, till you're kind of ground most of them. Then step two is you get a... Um, like mm -hmm. a mesh strainer, like a um, most people have these. I forget what they're called. Strainers, those um, like in your kitchen, like it's not a colander, sieve. but a sieve. sieve. Yes, sieve. thank you. A sieve. You get sieve. a sieve, whatever, um, and then you put it over a bowl and you pour the coffee grounds into the sieve, and then you you kind of shake the sieve for a while until you pass all of the all of the coffee grounds that will go through the sieve go into the bowl, and then you're left with only the big chunks, and then you regrind those big chunks, and you might do this step 
one or two more times. Like it's kind of diminishing returns and you're always going to have some grounds left over that are too big to go through the sift. The grounds that are too big, you just chuck those out. Um, they're, you're not going to use them because you're trying to get a really even grind size. Mm -hmm. So now you've sifted. So now all of the grounds that have gone through the sieve are of a, a certain size or smaller. Yes. And so you filtered the high size or the too large size out. That's great. So now you've already created a much better grind overall because you have a more even grind size. So yes. the, so th then, so that was the second step. So the third step, okay. the one that you probably don't want to get caught by other family members, say like you're, you know, he, I think he advertises this as um, the person this applies to is someone who at home has already solved their grind size problem by buying a good grinder and, and is too insane to have a blade grinder because useless. Um, but <laughs> You go to your, you know, family Thanksgiving and everybody knows that you're into coffee. So you're going to be the one who's going to make the good yeah. coffee. But then yeah. they give you the shitty tools of the French press, an old stale bag of coffee beans and and a blade grinder. You can't do it. <clears throat> and so he's saying, but you can get a good grind out of that coffee grinder if you can find a sieve. And then and then the last step is the one, like I was saying, that you definitely don't want to get caught by your uh, family members while you're in the kitchen and they're all sitting around for Thanksgiving or whatever. Is yeah. um, He said, you get some paper towels. So you get a paper towel. And um, most paper towels, like they kind of have a front and a back. So like they're kind of that quilted press, right? Yeah. And so like on one side, they're kind of raised and bossed. And on the other side, they're kind of like little bumps, like little divots. So you kind yeah. of lay the paper towel down on the counter and mm -hmm. you dump Which all the coffee up? out. What's that? Which side is up? Oh, with the um, with the back side of it up. I, back side up. If you're actually into this, go watch his video. Um, also, if you're listening to this and you're just thinking I'm going to try it, um, you can experiment, but I think when I tell you what it does, you'll you'll pretty quickly figure out which one, which side for each paper towel that you for the sheet that you have, you'll kind of understand inherently what it what you should do. Um, yeah. But anyway, so you lay it down, and um, and then you flat on the counter, and then you dump all of those coffee grounds that you have on the paper towel, and you just kind of push them around with your hand over the whole paper towel. And then after you do that for a moment, you just dump it back into the bowl from the paper towel and all of the finest grinds or most of the finest grinds will get trapped in the fibers of the paper towel uh -huh. and they'll get trapped in those little holes. And now you will have removed from your grind batch both the largest pieces of the grind and the smallest pieces. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to have a very even, a, a relatively even grind size. The you can't you can't really pick what that grind size is. It's just going to be kind of the same grind size every time. But it is very even, which means that now when you go to make like say a French press, you're going to get a very even extraction from your coffee, um, or like you do a pour over or something like that. You know, like a percolation or even just putting it into a um, if you put it into a coffee percolator, it's still going to uh -huh. get it's going to give you a better a better <clears throat> extraction because all of the grind sizes are the same. Um, and so you're going to get an even extraction from How all pieces of How much does that actually matter? Um, a lot, actually. Uh, well, okay. A lot is relative. So um, in my experience, having done this and, and practicing this at home, and that's part of this whole insane yeah. story, um, I think it comes back to kind of what I was talking about with, um, like with the programming your wetware reference. Um, I think that was like Andy Hunt. I think that was the author of that book. Um, yeah. Also, possibly, I think he had a partner in crime for that. Um, so I apologize for not having that ready. Uh, but um, where they talk about how 
caffeine reinforces um, reinforces like your kind of behavior. And so that may not matter at, at all. Like at this point in your life, if you've been drinking coffee habitually, your preference may be this sort of overheated cafe style. Like it's been sitting in a, um, you know, on a hot plate for five hours coffee. Mm-hmm. And when it was made, it was like as much you know, as much grounds filled fit into the basket and as much hot water as I could pour through it until it got to the color I wanted. And yeah. that flavor may be exactly what you're looking for. Um, however, if you are looking to try to taste particular flavors from coffee, then the grind size is very important because um, it's all about there's there's really only two ways currently that we uh, yeah two dos uh, uno dos. Nine, 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 um, German Spanish, right there, bang, bang. Um, uh, and anyway, there's really only kind of two <laughs> methods. There's a um, a percolation method, which is that you pass water through the grounds, uh-huh. and then there's the um, uh, what's it called? I want to say steeping method, but there's another word for it. Maybe I'll think of it in a minute. But basically, where you put the grounds in the water and they hang out in the water. And, oh, like and in a French press. Like in a French press, exactly. Yeah. And so espresso is a percolator. It's a high-pressure percolator, and it has some other, you know, because of that, it, it has some other properties. But ultimately, you're either temporarily exposing the grounds to water as it passes by, or you're letting it hang out in that water for a period of time. Um, and then you're somehow extracting the grounds from the, I think like Turkish coffee is kind of like this. Like you put grounds oh. and then you just let it sit for a long yeah. time until it settles out. And, yep. um, and incidentally, so my, the way that I've been making or trying to make French press to like kind of achieve a different flavor in coffee and try and understand it better was to get more even grounds. Um, mm-hmm. which means that, so what that means is that, um, if nothing else, I think this will kind of make sense. And again, like um, you should be validating this if you're listening to this. Like, go do the research <laughs> for yourself. But my understanding, I think, as as of this time, if you're grinding the coffee in a blade grinder and you're not doing anything else to kind of try to get um, closer to an even grind, like let's say it's just in the morning and you just like you put in beans and you bang on that button, and then they come out kind of crunched up. And then you throw them in the um, in the espresso machine, or sorry, in the in the uh, French press. Um, every day you're going to have a different extraction because yes. one day most of your beans will have been too like your chunks will be very large, and so large chunks will take longer to extract from because they the overall. So for a given amount of beans, let's just make the assumption that you're weighing your beans, which is another whole thing. You're weighing mm-hmm. the amount, like you're weighing your dose. So like yep. you get you get to the um, you get there in the morning and you weigh your dose and you're like, I'm going to have 20 grams of coffee today. Yes. And so you you smash that up in the blade grinder and you chuck it in the French roast and you press it out and you go. Um, if everything else is controlled for, if you're also, uh, you know, always putting in 100 degrees sea water or like 95 degrees sea water or something mm-hmm. and you're always, um, you know, steeping it for exactly five minutes before you press it or some amount of time. Um everything else being equal, those grind sizes are going to really determine how much of the flavor of the coffee as well as the caffeine that comes out of the coffee. Because the larger chunks are going to have less water exposure. Um, There's going to be much more of the 
caffeine left in those pieces than there are in the small pieces. Um, The really small pieces are going to give up all of their, like everything to the water much faster. So like too fine of a grind um, for the given time, like is going to have a much higher extraction. And, and so your, your ability to control that grind size is part of the factors of this, like this journey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if if we also want to discount that and say whatever, it's undetectable or just not that important to me, that's fair. Um, because we can also just talk about the issue of practicality for grind size in an espresso machine. So in uh-huh. order to pull in a, a proper espresso shot, you need an even grind because um, yes. there's a water flow issue, which is to say a really good shot means that the puck or that sort of packed piece of um, – or that packed bit of coffee grounds is very mm-hmm. even then when you get the pressure from the, from above trying to push this column of water through, there's no shortcuts for it to take. So if right. you have like uneven grind size and a larger piece would then potentially like several larger pieces together might leave some voids where the water can move more quickly. And if you've ever seen the grand Canyon, you realize that once water has picked a path, it continues to make that path easier. And so you get this right. idea of channeling where it's like the shot starts to evenly push the column through all of the coffee bed but at that some point it creates a channel in some place where more of the water can flow more easily and now most of the water is bypassing the rest of the 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 coffee cake or the the yes and small particles pack in together whereas like large particles leave air gaps between them which is like you can't build up pressure then yeah like the like the water just will rush through and so So that's where, if nothing else, I think it's pretty easy to see that you do want to have at least good grind capacity for espresso machines. And that's right. where, and again, I haven't experienced any of this firsthand. So it could all be like a, you know, moon landing conspiracy bullshit. Who knows? Like they're just a bunch <laughs> of YouTube videos trying to make money and sell espresso machines and none of it matters. I don't think that's the case. I really would be very surprised. Um, and to be clear, I also don't think that the moon landing is a conspiracy. Um, I'm just, my point is that I don't have firsthand experience of this. And so I'm hoping to get there. And that's where, um, (laughs) so that mostly brings us up to now with my journey, which is that um, at some point I was like, great, I want this coffee machine. And then I, and then I went down the rabbit hole of coffee grind and, or grinding coffee. And I was Mm -hmm. like, fuck. And so the problem there is that those fucking machines, a a good, decent coffee grinder is, is on par with the price of like the cheaper espresso machines that I want. Sure. And so I'm like, well, what the fuck? You're going to be in 1800 bucks before you know it. Yeah. And so, um, so that's where I took a step back and was like, okay, well, why don't I play with the, like, like you said, what was the word you used for creates things from your environment? Bricoler. Bricoler. Yeah. And that's where I was like, well, I have, I have a French press and I've got, um, I have access to good coffee. I think generally in San Diego we can buy decent coffee. Um, yeah, as much I as think like the stuff most we've places. Had there's good. Yeah. And so um, you know, I was like, well, I'm gonna buy some decent coffees and I'm going to um, you know, try to uh replicate my French press technique in a way that is very even and regular so that I can start to experience more of the coffee like try to taste it yes. and um and so one of the things that i found with french presses is it's very easy to get um a lot of sediment in your cup because paper filtered mm, coffee 
it's it's really easy to get all of the grounds out of your coffee. Like you mm-hmm. don't you don't end up with coffee grounds in your cup. Um, with espresso, I'm sorry, with French press, I find it's very hard to do that. And yeah. so one of the things um, that actually James Hoffman recommended, and I'd read some other places, is that you don't actually press the French press. Ah. What you do is you just push the screen down to cover <clears throat> the, you know, to the top of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, so I have a standard Bodine style French press. It's probably, um, I think it may be a liter. Um, yeah, I yeah. think it's about a liter size. Like, it's kind of the standard one most people have probably seen at some point in their life. Um, and yeah, and, I think you and I have the same one, but mine's red. Yes, yeah. And so I, um, I've i taken to both weighing the amount of coffee grounds I, I do every day. That was another thing that really, like, moved me further away from anxiety in a cup and more towards something that I enjoy tasting. Um, and so I, I started, you know, I kind of, I started at 30 milligram or sorry, sorry, 30 grams of coffee a day, um, was the first couple days I did. And then I was like, that's too much. And I brought it down to 20. That seems was it too much because you were having anxiety? I was so I was charting you know it. it was too much. I was charting it. I created a um an Excel sheet where I charted like a couple of points and I'll read them out to you. Um, Sweet. I love this. Yeah. Um I was I basically I basically was like, well, I should keep track of this. And so um I have a column for my coffee amount, so coffee in grams. And then I have a column for exhaustion, anxiety, discomfort, euphoria, and efficacy. Ah. And so in each of the sort of mood or in sort of the, um, I don't know what you'd call those, but each of those sort of factor columns is a value yeah. from zero to nine or one to 10, um, okay. zero to nine programmer time. Um, right. Also, you know, single single character is always nice. I don't want a fucking 10, you know, like a nine is hanging out in there. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and so what I do is I put, I put in the amount, like what I do, like in the morning when I'm having my coffee and I sit at my computer ready to go to work, I put in the amount of coffee that I dosed for that day. And Mm -hmm. then I give my baseline values, like how exhausted am I? Like, and this is like when I woke up. So, um, like let's say, uh, there was on the seventh, I I had twenty five grams of coffee. My exhaustion level was three. My exa- this is when I started. You're I, like a sim. Yeah, and my exhaustion level was three. My anxiety was zero. My discomfort was one. My euphoria was zero, and my efficacy was um was at one. So efficacy is a little nebulous, but I basically use that to track. How much am I, how much do I feel like I'm doing the things I should be, that I want to be doing? Like how much, and when I say want to be doing, what I mean is want to have done. Yes. Which is very different from what I, like almost at all times, what I want to be doing is sitting in a hot tub, sitting in a bathtub, hanging out with my friends, sitting on the balcony, going for like a long hike, being outside, swimming in the ocean. Mm -hmm. What I want to have done is my work, make sure my bills are paid, make sure my, you know, and so right. efficacy is a measure of, am I doing the things I want to have had done by the end of the day kind of thing? Um, yes, I follow. And yep. so it's just a, it's just like a, a very qualitative, like, what do I think? Am I from a scale of one to 10? Like, how much am I on my, you know, on track right now? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I guess on the seventh in that, on that morning, I felt that, um, Felt that I was at a one. Um, and I, 
and that's fine. You know, I just woke up. I was like, I'm not doing the things I want to do. I guess I made coffee. So that's one thing. Anyway, that's doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but then as the day progressed, um, I, I, we can, so as we kind of go through these data points, like about an hour later, my exhaustion was still at a three. Um, my anxiety had come up to two. My discomfort had hit two. And my euphoria was still at zero and my efficacy was at zero. Um, I'm guessing that this was a moment where I was like, and now I have to poop. So I feel both a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm having a little bit of flop sweat from my caffeine induced like uh, anxiety. Yeah. And I'm definitely not doing what I want to have done. Now I'm going to the bathroom. Like that's kind of what I was probably thinking there. I see. Um, yes. You needed a bathroom break. You needed yeah. to go to the bathroom and also take a break. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, but then... Uh, but then not too long after that, um, my uh, about 11 o'clock, so the f- I drank every – I started the caffeine intake at 8 o'clock, 8.14 um, is when I recorded it. So I probably was just drinking it. Um, then my exhaustion kind of went down to 1 at 11 and mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock. And then my anxiety went down to 1. My discomfort was still at 2. Um, my euphoria was That's up to three. Euphoria is oh. a weird one because I feel like it it's so synonymous with like, and then I was taking the ecstasy and oh, I just felt amazing. Um, I don't know. Just kind of like <laughs> I, I, I've tr- struggled to find a better word for it, but it's typically like, do I feel happy? Like, am I having yeah. like, and, and also, but not happy. I should say euphoria and anxiety are these like two parallel tracks that aren't either things that I necessarily want. Like I'm not okay. looking to be. You're not th- looking for euphoria necessarily. No, like I think about euphoria as um, I, hopefully you've experienced this at some point in your life. It's the kind of thing like I want a nice regular day. Like I'd like my feelings and my <laughs> existence to be pretty well moderate most of the time like i don't mind like times where it's like yeah just fucking turn that shit to 11 and i'm fucking great and everything's cool Mm -hmm. but when you're sitting down to work and you're trying to like focus on things having this like euphoric feeling is not Not it's necessarily helpful no it's not only is it not helpful it's not necessarily sustainable like in a long term right so Mm -hmm. um the euphoria thing is not necessarily oh turn like if you're looking at this chart, the things you want turned up are euphoria and efficacy. The other thing about euphoria is I find it a little exhausting, right? Like yeah. it burns you out. Like I, I think about that as like if my brain is like firing pleasure receptor, you know, receptors mm-hmm. are like firing a lot, then that means there's going to be a come down. And what I'd like to do is like uh, for me, a zero euphoria means that I'm not I I'm I'm good. I'm content. Things are fine. I don't need, you know, anything right now. Um, whereas yeah. euphoria means, oh yeah, but then there's going to be a dip at the end of this little journey. <laughs> um, you got to balance it out somewhere. Yeah. And so then, um, by about one o'clock, uh, my anxiety was gone. My exhaustion was gone. I had very little discomfort. I had very little euphoria. And then my efficacy, I marked it as a five. So, um, All right. so, so anyway, uh, well, go ahead. So what have you learned over time? Like, uh, what well, is your, where only, are you now? I've only been charting this since the 4th, and oh, it's okay. now the 8th. Um, that's not the 8th. Yesterday was the 8th. So I've only been charting this um, since the 4th. So this and is so the 5th day. Yeah, this is not, I don't have enough data, really. And also, I've changed the chart a few times, or I've added a few columns since the first day. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe in two or three weeks, it'll be time to, like, look back. Um I mean, one thing I immediately have noticed is that 
it's really quickly obvious to me that adjusting my caffeine dose or my coffee dose is is valuable. Um, yep. And it makes a big difference. And that's kind of what the point of this. So are you looking for your sweet spot now? Yeah. The idea is like to just kind of see where because um, now that I'm weighing it and I'm like trying to like control yeah. for the grind size, I think my overall caffeine dose is much more controlled. Whereas my my previous attempts at having a caffeine habit or to sort of use coffee as a tool was um, and typically I was like, oh, you know, I pour the coffee beans into the blade grinder up to this little ridge. Yeah. And then I blend them and then I chuck them in the um, in the French press and I pour a bunch of hot water on it and I press it down and then I drink that. And sometimes there's a lot of sludge, which also if you're drinking that. You're also all of those fines or those really small pieces of like muddy coffee bean. Um, yeah, they're typically unpleasant. They don't add a lot of good flavor to the coffee. And nope. also they have caffeine in them. So then they sit in your stomach and get digested. Ugh. And you're like if you've ever eaten a coffee bean, like, you know, it, you get caffeine, ca- caffeine from it. Um, I really like eating espresso beans, but they're yeah. like they, they make me crazy. Yes. No, me too. And it's weird how few actually you need. Like there's quite a lot of coffee, caffeine in those beans. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so using the French press technique where you don't press the – you don't actually press it through the grounds helps because it doesn't then disturb all of those fines. Like if you let it sit um, for a good four or five minutes and you're really mm-hmm. careful with the pot, like usually what I do is I make it, I put the lid on. I stir it a little bit so the grounds are like well mixed into the, you know, so they can steep properly. Um, mm-hmm. And then I um, I put it right now down next to the cup on my desk and then I just wait five minutes and I can watch the grounds like sink out of it. And yes. then when I pour it out, having the screen down against the water just means it like it's like a top filter. So you're still pouring through the screen so you don't get any like weird floaties or anything. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then the coffee that comes out of that, I find, is usually pretty sediment free if I'm careful, um, which yeah. is nice. And so um, doing all of that means that my amount of caffeine that I get from my homemade coffee cup is pretty regulated. And that's nice. Um, nice. And so I'm able to kind of chart it better. Um, and so that that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I've I've not given up on the idea of buying an espresso machine. I've just kind of dialed that back a little bit and and also like because I think one of the things is like what is my relationship with this drug and whether it's something that I need to um I clearly I need to regulate it because I've I've noted like typically my relationship with the drug is like if today's a caffeine day it's like a lot of sweat in the morning and a lot (laughs) of anxiety most of the afternoon yeah and like you know just I'm just like full of like energy and a like really like um, neurotic and sort of nervous, like mm-hmm. a lot of nervous energy, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, it can be entertaining from time to time, both for me and some of my friends. I'm sure you've, uh, <laughs> I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but you've certainly experienced me on a good cup of coffee. Well, yeah, because if I start drinking coffee, it's all over because I uh-huh. have the same sort of curve of like insanity yeah. and, hi- and hyperactive depression. And so, um, I'm sure that we've both been – yeah, I know for sure because we've had coffee together. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So many times. So many times. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like of all the things I, – I love it and also I'm like this is going to be terrible. Right. Right. It's going to be great and then immediately terrible. Do you – um? so you don't drink coffee every day either. 
No, 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 no. I mean, I am right now, obviously, because I've been talking about doing this experiment. Um, right. Yeah. No, I'm a tea drinker, and yeah. I consume like sometimes a gallon a day of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I tend to use like rooibos tea that doesn't have any caffeine in it and has oh, yeah. lots of good yeah. antioxidants in it. Yeah. Um. I also have an extreme fondness for black tea, but it's if I do too much of it, slippery I get slope. slippery slope. I think because of the theanine in it, it levels it out a little bit compared to coffee, but mm-hmm. not enough. Right. And if I have green tea on an empty stomach, I will vomit. Yes, I am the same way. Um, Oof. It's rough. It's. I don't know what the deal is with that, but it's like surefire. And I every time I tr- it tricks me. I'm like, I'm just going to drink some, or I forget that I haven't eaten in enough time, and I'm on an empty stomach, and I'll chug meg-sized amounts of green tea. Uh-huh. Because I don't sip at it. Right. Right? Right. And I'll be like, wow, that was great. And then like 10 minutes later, I'll be like, oh, why am I so sweaty? Also, I think I'm going to vomit. Then I'm like, the tea. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it's too late. Yeah, green tea. Forgotten. It's funny to me. Um, I think people often think of green tea as having less caffeine. I think that my understanding is that it has left ca- less caffeine if it's prepared the way that like, you know, if you buy like a box of like bagged green tea and they have a recommended way to f- prepare it, if you mm. follow those instructions directly, then the caffeine is less. Um, I don't but know. there's not there's not inherently less caffeine in the tea leaves like green tea oh, leaves are the same are as black sure? tea leaves. No, there's like the caffeine doesn't increase because the because um, the tea leaf was oxidized more. Hmm. It's more available, like in the, um, I, I, my understanding, and again, like this needs hmm. to be checked. I think it's more available. Like all, all caffeinated tea is the same species. It's not, I mean, there are variations and varietals. And so those might have more or less caffeine. But mm-hmm. given the same, the same plant that was used to prepare green tea and black tea, um, you're going to have the same amount of caffeine in them. How it's extracted is all about like green tea often is made lighter. Black tea is usually made darker. So it's like steeped longer. Um, But the teas, those tea leaves are all from the same plant. Like when you have like oolong tea or you have um, all of those have to do with what they call like the fermentation process, which isn't actually fermentation. It's a um, it's an oxidation process. Okay. Which. uh and so green tea can trick you because a lot of times people drink green tea by leaving a like leaving the bag in for a really long time or like the whole time. And so yeah. it ends up giving you more caffeine. But I think I agree with you. I think there are other confounding compounds. Yes. Like, well, and you also get like weird energy from the EGCG in green tea too, which you don't get from the other teas. Yeah. And then that, which is different from caffeine high. Yeah. Like and I then, don't, I like, don't think that it's just, um, like I think if we were taking like purified caffeine tablets and we were regulating the dose, that wouldn't be the kinds of anxiety. I mean, otherwise, why would I have so much fucking anxiety from like decaffeinated coffee from the, um, yeah, you know, from this particular roaster? Basically, it's not it's not Lestat so much as they use a particular supplier, and all that coffee seems to always just give me fucking like. Like, I feel like I'm a, like, you know, just smoking crack. I'm just like twitching and like, you know, just like have a high amount of anxiety, low grade paranoia. Mm-hmm. 
Um, not the kind of paranoia where like, if you, like, if you've ever, uh, smoked marijuana or, or similar, um, where like your mind's so altered that when the paranoia hits, it's really hard to cope with. It's the kind of paranoia it's like, but my mind's sharp so I can like beat it down, but it keeps coming up and I beat it down. And like, anyway, it's just a bad, terrible experience. Um, it's not not fun. So yeah. Well, I'm amazed at your coffee, uh, discipline. Thank you. This is it. This is so valuable. Like this is actually really interesting and helpful information to have. How can I support you in your further coffee endeavors? Um, I don't know. I mean, oh, well, there's more to the story. So, oh. um, so that, so that was like where we landed was about the end of end of last week, um, or about. Yeah. And at this point, I had like most things in my life. Once I've really like started to dig deep, I'm like just obsessively consuming uh. information about it. So I've read a lot. I've watched a lot. Um, I. And like most of these things, I definitely don't think of myself as like an expert. I've just consumed a lot of the media and information available sort of publicly about this stuff. Um, You know a lot of this stuff now. Yeah. And so so there's another tool that people like to use that got really popular um, about, I don't know, it was made in the, I think it was made in like 2000. Let me let me pull up the Wikipedia. But anyway, I'm talking about um, this thing called the AeroPress. Yes, right. Oh, right, the AeroPress. Yeah, and so the AeroPress was invented by this engineer, Alan Adler. And if you know the name, or you th- or you like hear the arrow part of AeroPress, and you're like, that sounds familiar. If you're at all familiar with an AeroBee, which was this flying ring that he invented <laughs> in um, in 2000. I don't know when he made the Arrowbee. The Arrowbee was like flying ring. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever seen an Arrowbee? Usually they're mm-hmm. red. They they do come in other colors, but the ones that I've seen are always this sort of like red pressed kind of. Um, like here, I'll send you the the link. But um, hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so he invented the Aerobee, but the Aeropress and the Aeropress is like a like a comically oh. comically large fat syringe. Yes. But instead of a needle on the end, it has a little filter cup that you can put a piece of paper in, like a coffee filter. Is yours um, the weird nineteen eighties like smoky glass coffee table brown? Uh, yes. Um, they're all pretty much that color. Uh, well, no, mine's, mine's that, uh, mine's not that brown. No, it's not quite that color. It's more the gray now. Um, okay. actually, no, no, it is still, I'll have to go get it. You, you talk to them about something. I'll be okay. right back. Well, I had an AeroPress living at my house, even though I don't drink coffee because people decided if they were going to spend time at my house and drink coffee, they were going to have to have good enough coffee. They couldn't have any of this second rate or ham fisted coffee. And so an AeroPress had to live in my home, even though I don't drink coffee. And so I'm familiar with the AeroPress. Actually, I, yeah, that's it. There it is. I ended up getting rid of it because the like King dickhead who insisted on keeping it at my house is no longer allowed here. Nice. Fuck you and your coffee press. Tell me about yours, Ned. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, so you don't have any uh, uh, baggage associated to an AeroPress. Right. <laughs> just the sight of an AeroPress fills me with rage. <laughs> right. I think we need to re- rename this to, uh, to what what do we call this, like, sort of... Um, rage Press. Just Rage Rage. Rage Rage. The rage, rage Rage. Yes. Yeah. Did you Rage Rage? AeroPress triggered Rage. Yeah. Support group. <laughs> um, so the AeroPress is a... Uh, is sort of an oversized syringe. Um, I'd say it's like it's in a, that it's a it's a plastic cylinder yeah. with another plastic cylinder that fits inside of it with a rubber gasket that's like a plunger, and so it's just like how there's two pieces to any syringe: the tube and then the little pusher. exactly, yeah, yeah. And it's like a um, you know, it's probably about three inches wide. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah. so you have this, uh, you know, so like a, like a one and a half inch diameter or uh, radius. Um, sure. Anyway, and it's got a little flare at the base so that it can sit on top of a coffee mug securely, and then you can press down into it. And it's it's really simple. You basically you put the filter in the basket, you pour some coffee in the top of the like in the back end of the syringe, then you mm-hmm. pour some hot water in there. Um, you wait a few minutes for it to kind of steep and then you put the syringe plunger in it and you plunge it and push, push it all of the coffee down through the coffee filter at the bottom into your cup of coffee. Right. And so I bought this because it's um, it's a it's that kind of combination of a French press where it you steep the coffee for a bit, but then at the end you filter it through a paper filter. Um, and the reason that I got this was I thought, oh, it's kind of... Um, it's an interesting kind of blend of of both worlds because yeah. um, also a friend of mine had sent me a link talking about how there was some study that showed that paper filtered coffee was better for you. There's some oils that you can pull out and don't go into your cup with a paper filter that are um, that seem to counteract the effects of how coffee can give you like a better life or something. I don't remember exactly. It's it's all like very it, it's. It's not a bullshit study, but it's a small enough sample size that you're like, okay, but how much does this actually matter? Um, mm-hmm. Also, it was like studies on people who've drank coffee like their whole life, and I'm really not one of those people. Like, I fits and spurts. Like, I'll have like you know one month out of a year where I'm like really into coffee, and then four years will go by before I you know come back to it. Sure. Um. Anyway, so I find this French press. All right, sorry, no, this AeroPress, and um, and so I used it for the first time yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I, were the results? So what I noticed, uh, well, I, I noticed a couple things. So uh, I followed the basic recipe for it. I found that um, one of the things I noticed with it is you can only put about 250 milliliters of water in there. Maybe not even that. I think about 200. So it makes it typically I think the way it's designed is to create very concentrated coffee. And then the idea is that you would dilute it out like kind of like an Americano. Um, I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the um the AeroPress people market it as able to make espresso style coffee. This by no means gets anywhere near espresso. They have these weird fucking attachments and shit that people have made. Like it's an insane culture around AeroPress. Mm-hmm. Um to the point where and this I did enjoy this. Um I think there's there's a an what is it? The World Championship AeroPress competition. Oh, Lord. Um, of course there is. But the thing that I love about the world championship um, <laughs> is that it's it's held. Let me find out where it's held. 
it's it's held in England, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Originally, it was held in England, and um, it's the hilarious thing is it's like it's held in England by like a small group of people, like originally, right? Like it wasn't, yeah. but they called it the World Championship because they thought it was hilarious to make fun of Americans who call their baseball World Championship thing, uh, even though only the U.S. has baseball the World teams. Series, the right, World yeah. Series, right. And so that I that part of it really appealed to me. I was like, yeah, you should, <laughs> like, we should call this podcast like something, you know, International World Podcast of, like, the greats, or I don't know, some kind of, like, uh, hyperbole greats. of, like, um, yeah. of that. So, uh, anyway, so I noticed that um, it makes a very strong, concentrated cup of coffee. It's hard to make, like, you have to dilute it pretty much, or you don't have to. You can have a very strong cup of coffee, which is what I ended up doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I, so basically, I had 20 milligrams uh, or 20 grams of coffee beans ground, and then I pressed 200 uh, grams of water or 200 milliliters of hot water through it, um, which made a very, very strong single cup. Um, The thing that I noticed was that the next day, this morning yeah. when I woke up or really yes. even last night, um, I smelled coffee in my house that was not. So in all my time of making a French press, I would never smell this smell. And there's a particular kind of coffee smell that made me think of my grandfather who made like 12 cup coffee pots every day and drank those he'd make them the night before and and reheat each coffee like drink one cup at a time in the microwave um which is just that's like that's my point is like people get into a route with their coffee and it's like they don't he wanted the Folgers pre-ground big old you know can of coffee and you just scoop that into the thing and and you make it the night before and there's 12 cups of coffee sitting there in the morning you wake so up it's bitter. cold you pour it into the cup into your cup and you reheat it in the microwave for i believe it was like 47 seconds he timed it so when he put the handle mm. in he put on 47 seconds hit start and then when he opened the microwave the handle would still be pointing out at him which is why 47 seconds and not a minute and not 54 seconds or whatever it was but also huh. be the right temperature and he just had this thing down and he would do that 12 times a day um, wow. And then when I think when he was told that he needed to not drink caffeine anymore, um, he just switched to decaf and just kept doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, so people but that smell of I don't know what it was about filtering the coffee through the paper or what it was, but it was like really pervasive. And I was like, oh, God, I don't I maybe I don't like coffee at all. Mm. So. So anyway, that was yesterday. So here we is are. It, is it maybe a bleached coffee filter? No, there. Um, I mean, I I don't. That smell. I don't think so. I maybe mm. they're bleached. I have to look. They're the ones that came with it. So maybe it's possible. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I can get unbleached ones. Uh, I don't. I don't know why that would matter. It's definitely a coffee smell. Like yeah. there's. It's not. Um, whatever is happening, it's something that happens with pushing the coffee through or somehow like filtering the coffee and then having coffee that is not I'm like I my first thought was that um when I make it in the French press really there's no coffee sitting around that's not sitting on grounds yeah which means that um you know like this is pure speculation coffee grounds contain a certain amount of like carbonized herbs uh what's it called um like charcoal right because they've been roasted so they're they're burned um and that means that that 
that charcoal that exists there is is able to absorb certain things, right? Mm-hmm. It's able to suck up chemicals because that's kind of the nature of its it, the way that it works. And so I just kind of was like, oh, I wonder if maybe like the fact that it's just all the coffee that I have in my house when it's made is always sort of sitting on a bed of like a mild amount of like filter carbon. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I don't um, know. Whereas if I make it hot and push it through a filter and then it's removed from that carbon filter from that carbon it's like now it's able to like release some aromatic that i actually don't like um yeah who knows so it's a mystery yeah it is a mystery so that's uh there you go there it is there it is um yeah so what are, what are your thoughts um i'm not a big fan of coffee except i'm a huge fan of coffee except i'm traumatized by coffee <laughs> right so you that's and where I, i'm at i really and I like cogan ice cream coffee oh it is the very best flavor with I'm the chocolate sure. chips in it yep yep that's delicious that's yep. all i got on coffee i mean yeah. i uh i really like the looks of those espresso machines yes those big yeah. fancy ones mm-hmm. contraption-y yep yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty great. All the like sort of polished brass bits and the yeah. yeah. I'd want one in my house, but I don't really want it for the coffee. Right, knobs and levers and yeah. yes, the time machine. <laughs> coffee is a time machine. Coffee is like a vehicle for time travel. It really is. It really yeah. is. Um, yeah, this definitely coffee can be an ex- uh, exceedingly good tool for for stepping through a wardrobe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to add to the to the discussion of coffee. All right. I'm well, I'm sort of I have a, a whole roadmap for coffee that I wrote down now. That's fantastic. <laughs> Take photos of it. Yeah. Post it in our notes. Um coffee. Do we want to do colors of the day? Yes, let's do colors of the day. I just got a text. You should have it too, um, from our research department. Oh, excellent. And uh, yeah, these. so um, thank you for listening. And if you made it this far and we haven't mentioned before, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can always email us. Uh, you can email our executive assistant. She's the best place to start, which is Dana, D-A-N-A at fcbm.io. Um, you can also go to our website, fcbm.io, where you can find more contact information. But um, email is great. Uh, if you have thoughts, ideas, concerns, gripes, I don't know, whatever you want to say. Um, we'll we'll try and hear you out and see how it goes. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. We're going to do objects. So uh, colors of the day today, uh, I've got always two colors. Um, <laughs> always two colors. Always two colors. So what we have is Russian mailman and kind saneness. I like so, the kind saneness. Me too. Um, so we'll start with, uh, well, let's look at kind saneness. So kind saneness is, uh, it has a hexadecimal number, um, which if you're just now listening to this, you can pop that into Google and it will show you the color directly. And all you need to do is type in, um, a, uh, hash one C eight F D D. So that's, uh, one Charlie eight Foxtrot Delta Delta. Um, yep. And you need to add the hash to get Google to trigger into showing you the color. Um, if you're interested in the RGB values, if that helps you visualize it, that, that's the like sort of red, green, and blue mm-hmm. um, intensity from zero to 255. Um, the RGB values are 28, 
143 and 221. What this is is like a blue. Yes, these this is not dissimilar to one that we saw recently. Yes. Um that was like a pumpkin and a in a robin's egg. Right. Um this blue is more intense. This reminds me of like chemical toilet blue. Yes. Yes, chemical toilet blue. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, um, that's the kind saneness, kind saneness, chemical toilet blue. Mm-hmm. And then the Russian mailman one is like, mm, it's moving away from pumpkin and edging towards tomato soup. Yes. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and it's, so <laughs> it's hexadecimal value is going to be hash E37022. That's hash echo 37022. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's orange. I mean, if you saw it by itself, it's definitely you'd be like, "That's orange." That's orange, no but absolutely like a tomato soup, almost, almost mm-hmm. like a tomato like, bisque. Yeah, like a tomato bisque, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I would have thought of with this color. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me hungry, <laughs> right? Oh, tomato bisque sounds. It's an good. appetizing color. Yeah. Um, Oh man, really interesting. So yeah, yeah. Russian mailman kind kind saneness. Um yeah, you got to get these colors in your life, uh, especially get these today. Colors in your life. Yeah. Get these colors in your life. Oh, I hear someone calling for me. Hello? Hi. Hi. Aha. <laughs> There's more people flooding into the house. All right. Well, that's probably a good time to call it for the podcast then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Look at us. Right on time. (laughs) Right on time. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.